How many of you know that the Christian life is not always a mountaintop experience? There are times in our Christian walk when we are going to feel emotionally down. There may be times when you think that God has forgotten you. There may be times when you're discouraged seeing those who have professed their faith in Christ lose interest only to fall away. There may be times when you wonder if you're the next one on the devil's hit list. But although it may not feel like it, it's during these times of trouble, these times of challenge, these times of difficulty, that you will actually be strengthened, not weakened. Throughout God's Word, we find words like endurance and perseverance. And these words remind us once again that the Christian's life is not a 50-yard dash. It's a lot more like a marathon. And because the Christian life is a long-distance run, we need to learn to pace ourselves so that we can persevere, so we can finish our race, and we can finish it well. In today's seventh cornerstone of faith, we're going to find several encouragements that describe how and why we all need to persevere through the struggles in life. Number one, perseverance produces results. In Luke chapter 8, beginning in verse 4, the Lord shares the parable of the sower. In verse 4, the Bible says, And when a great multitude had gathered, they had come to him from every city, and he spoke by a parable. Now, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So listen up. Verse 5. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some of the seed fell by the wayside. And it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some of the seed fell on rock. And as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop. One hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried out, He who has ears, let him hear. In this well known parable, this earthly story with a heavenly meaning, the Lord Jesus is illustrating four different reactions to his message. Verse 11 explains that. Now the parable is this, Jesus said. The seed is the word of God. The seed is the good news. The seed is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the seed that falls on the wayside or the footpath symbolizes those who hear this good news but don't allow it to penetrate 
their hearts and mind. Verse 12 says, Those by the wayside are those who hear. Then the devil comes and takes the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Then there's the seed that lands on the rock or in the rocky soil, and that represents those who hear God's word. They receive it with great joy, but over time, their commitment begins to wane and proves to be shallow and weak. Verse 13 described it this way. Jesus said, But the ones on the rock... The seed on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, yet in time of temptation fall away. Then there's the seed that lands among the thorns. That seed symbolizes those who appear to believe, but the cares of this life slowly choke out any growth. In verse 14, Jesus described it this way. Now the seed, the ones that fell among thorns, are those who, when they have heard the good news, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and the pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But then there's the seed that falls on the good ground, falls on the fertile soil. And that is the gospel seed that actually takes root and ultimately produces spiritual fruit. Verse 15, Jesus said, But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, Keep it and bear fruit with patience. Bear fruit with endurance. Bear fruit with perseverance. So what is the big difference between this last successful group and the first three? Well, the key to the success of those who are planted in the good ground is the fact that they came from three steps. First of all, they listened to God's word. They heard the word. Number two, they obey God's word. They keep God's word. And number three, they persevere. They persevere, allowing their faith to take root and ultimately their lives to produce fruit. When Jesus was describing the perseverance of these successful ones, he used the original Bible word, hupomene. Hupomene means to patiently, steadfastly continue on. So what is the fruit that this kind of perseverance produces? The fruit that this kind of perseverance produces is, listen up, new believers. New believers. You see, friend, by letting God's word take root in your heart, take root in your life, not only will you grow stronger yourself, not only will you be able to withstand the storms of life, not only will you be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, but your life, your life will draw many others 
to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, as you steadily apply God's word and obey the gospel good news and resolve that you're going to hang in there through the thick and through the thin with the Lord's help, you will win others to the Lord Jesus Christ. This, friend, is one of the great values of your redemption story. When someone hears how God has helped you through the storms of life, how God has helped you through your struggles in life, they very well may seek him for themselves. And guess what? It will have been you who led them to Jesus Christ. Friend, will you let me help you? Let me help you tell the world your redemption story. It's so simple, it's only three minutes. You gather your thoughts about how you were before you were saved, what happened when you were saved, and how your life has changed because of Jesus Christ. We'll record it, and we'll post it, and many people will be affected by your redemption story. Because you see, perseverance, hanging in there, keeping on, keeping on, produces results. Now, another encouragement that God's Word gives us as we persevere through our lives is the knowledge that the struggle is going to make you stronger, that life's trials will make you stronger. Listen to what James wrote in James chapter 1 in verse 2. James said, My brethren, my brothers and sisters, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your patience, the testing of your endurance, the testing of your perseverance will produce faith. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect, mature, complete, lacking nothing. You see, one key to growing your faith, one key to running your race is perseverance. And one key to perseverance is patience. When you patiently persevere through times of testing and through times of hardship, through times of tragedy, we become more able to stand fast in future times of adversity, in future times of testing in our faith. So when trials come, and they're coming, when trials come, don't give up. Don't become stagnant in your faith. Don't become inactive at church. Don't become complacent about the calling of God on your life. Instead, patiently allow that trial to build in you a reinvigorated faith. Allow it to build in you a resilient faith to the goodness of God. You see, it's during these storms of life, it's during these trials of life that your spiritual roots grow deeper. And in that way, friend, you are going to grow stronger. Now, I know that most of us, if we had our way, would probably try to avoid these difficult times in life. 
But God promises that with great trial comes great grace. With great trial comes great grace. When Paul was coping with his struggle, when Paul was going through his trial, when Paul was enduring his thorn in the flesh, Jesus himself promised Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect, is made mature in weakness. You've heard it said that in times of trial, testing will either make you better or bitter. Friend, it is really up to us. It's really up to you what kind of outlook you have as you persevere the struggles of life. If you'll learn to walk in a relationship with God on the basis of faith and trust in God instead of according to your own personal feelings, I want to make you a promise today. You will grow stronger. And as these verses say, our faith will become perfect. That is mature. It will be complete and it will lack nothing. Often, when, not if, but when trials come our way, we view them in a negative light. We view them, we view ourselves as victim of circumstance. And the only thing that we can see is the immediate hassle of our trials in life. But God doesn't want us to view it that way. He doesn't want us to view our difficulties as an obstacle to faith. Instead, God wants us to view these, these obstacles and challenges as opportunities for spiritual growth. Your struggle, your trial, your testing is an opportunity for you to grow spiritually. So we should be encouraged. Be encouraged to know that perseverance produces results. But also, life's trials will make you stronger. But you know what also is helpful to know? It's encouraging to know that Christ persevered. That Christ endured great pain. And he did it for us. In Hebrews chapter 12, the author writes, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And listen to this. Let us run with endurance. Let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us. How? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, persevered the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him. Him who endured, him who persevered such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary, lest you become discouraged in your soul. You know, we visited this passage uh, in our third cornerstone of faith that was performing God's statutes. But this time, I want to view it from a little bit of a different perspective. In these verses, not only are we encouraged to run life's marathon, keeping our eyes on the prize, but we also find here that Jesus is the perfect example. The perfect example of someone who modeled ultimate 
perseverance. You see, Jesus paid a debt that he didn't owe because we owed a debt that we couldn't pay. Did you hear me, friend? Jesus paid a debt that he didn't owe because we owed a debt that we couldn't pay. He persevered the cross in order to save us from the penalty of sin. And you know what? It's you. It's you who are the joy that was set before him. There in verse 2, Hebrews said, Looking under Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him persevered the cross. You, friend, are the joy that was set before Jesus as he persevered the cross. He persevered the cross so that we might trust him as Savior and therefore be encouraged to follow his example and keep our faith strong in this marathon of life. There in verse 2, Jesus reminds us also that God is going to see us through to the end. In verse 2, we also see that while he persevered the cross and he despised the shame of it all, he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. God said he was going to be sitting there, and guess where he's sitting? Right there at the right hand of the throne of God. And God also promises you, my friend, his word promises you and me in Philippians 1.6 that we can be confident of this very thing. That he who has begun a work in you, he who has begun a work in you will complete it at the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, what God starts, God finishes. Amen? What God starts, God finishes. What God started in you years ago, he will bring to completion. So friend, it's encouraging. It's encouraging in the midst of our struggles to know that perseverance produces results. That these trials we go through are going to make us stronger. But that also we have a perfect example in Jesus. Jesus Christ who persevered great pain. And he did it for us. But finally, it's also very helpful, very encouraging to know that God honors those who persevere. God honors those who persevere. You know, when you think about great people, great people often give last words. And a great person's last words are very significant. A person's last words kind of provide a window into their heart. It provides you and I with a glimpse of what's really, really important to them. And when the end comes near for you, when the end comes near for me, we're only going to be able to look in one of two directions. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, with his end in sight, Paul looked back. Listen to what Paul wrote in verse 7 of 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul said, I fought the good fight. I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. Here, Paul was summing up his life, summing up his ministry. And first off, he said, I have fought the good fight. He'd done all that was necessary to be victorious over the struggles in his life. He was disciplined in his walk. 
He was careful with his words and he persevered through the struggles of life. So, how are you doing in your fight? How are you doing in your fight? You may say, Bill, I don't feel like I'm in a fight. Could it be because you're not in a battle? I love the movie Gladiator, the blockbuster Gladiator. And in that movie, General Maximus has won a significant battle for the Roman Empire under the emperor Marcus Aurelius. Well, after the battle was over with and all the men are, are, are trying to rest, Marcus Aurelius' son, Commodus, comes riding up on a white stallion and he asks his father, the emperor, Have I missed it? Have I missed it? Have I missed the battle? To which the emperor of Rome, Marcus Aurelius, said, You have missed the war. Friend, are you even in the battle? The battle for souls? But not only did Paul look back and say, I fought the good fight. He looked back and he also said, I have finished the race. Paul kept the rules and the end of his lifelong race was in sight. But I want you to notice something. Paul never said, I won the race. Paul was content knowing that he had simply finished his race. You see, if you're a long-distance runner, you know the exhilaration of just finishing the grueling miles of a long-distance race. Just finishing the race reveals great determination and great perseverance. Friend, how are you doing in your race? Are you persevering? Are you putting one foot in front of the other day after day? The promise of Scripture is, is if you'll do that by faith, trusting God, you will finish your race too. But finally, as Paul looked back, he also said, I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. The image here is of a steward. A steward who has faithfully guarded his boss's deposit. Paul guarded the Lord's message. Paul shared the Lord's message of salvation to anybody who would listen. And Paul lived out his faith. My friend, have you kept the faith? Have you kept the faith? Are you able to look back on your Christian life without regret? Are you living out the Christian life? I know that living out the Christian life is not always popular. I know that living the Christian life is not always comfortable. I know that living out the Christian life is always not a mountaintop experience. But all that really counts is remaining faithful to the Lord Jesus. All that you are called to do is keep the faith as you look back on your life. Have you fought a good fight? Have you finished your race? Have you kept the faith? But not only did Paul look back in verse 7... 
Paul also looked ahead in verse 8. He said, finally, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. The crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, Paul says, but also to all, to all who have loved his appearing. Victorious Roman athletes in the Olympic Games were rewarded with a victor's crown. And that victor's crown showed the crowd that he was the champion. But Paul had no desire for a crown that people would see. No, he wanted a crown that he could lay down at his Savior's feet one day. And he was promised to receive that crown. The crown of righteousness is the Lord's reward to those who persevere. It's the God's reward to those who persevere, living their lives faithfully day after day, righteously living for their Savior and their Lord, Jesus Christ. Friends, we're not called to be apostles like Paul. But, we can win the same crown that Paul won. The crown of righteousness. If we will live in light of the Lord's return, if we will live in obedience to the word of God, and if we will do what God has called us to do, we will be crowned, praise God, with a crown we can lay before the Savior's feet. There is a crown of righteousness Is there one laid up for you? Is there a crown of righteousness laid up for you? Friend, can you honestly expect the Lord Jesus, the righteous judge, to give you God's reward for persevering faithfully, for persevering diligently for His glory? Will you persevere to the end? Will you hang in there to the very end, living in light of the Lord's glorious return? How many of you know that Christ's return is going to happen a whole lot sooner than later? Jesus is coming back a lot sooner than he will later. Are you ready? Are you ready for Christ's return? Are you living in light of the return of Christ? You see, if a person really longs for Jesus to return, if he really lives in light of that fact, then his life will be righteous. And the promise of Scripture is that he will be rewarded accordingly. Are you living righteously? Are you serving God faithfully? As your pastor, as your brother in Christ, as your spiritual cheerleader, my prayer for you is that you will wholeheartedly commit 
to Jesus so that you can finish well. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Do you know my Savior? Do you know he who is the Lord of my life? He's the Son of God who stepped out of the glory of heaven to live a sinless life on earth, only to be crucified on a rugged cross like a, a common criminal where he would die, be buried. But praise be to God, would rise again on the third day, being gloriously resurrected. And the Bible says that when a human being places their faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, the promise is he will be saved from the penalty of their sin. Friend, you can be saved from your sins today. But Christian, you need to ask yourself those hard questions. Are you living righteously? Are you serving God faithfully? Are you living in light of the immediate return of Christ? He could come back today. Are you ready? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we look to you and to you alone for the power, the encouragement, and the ability to live a life to persevere, to endure, to keep on keeping on for your glory. Father, thank you for providing us the perfect example, for proving through the promise of Scripture that our perseverance produces results and that, Lord, our struggles are going to make us stronger. But, Lord, we also know the promise of Scripture is, is that you will honor those who persevere in this life. Father, if there's one who is listening to this service this morning and they want a relationship with God that only comes through Jesus, Father, help them to get in touch with us so we can share the glorious gospel good news that Jesus saves. And Father, for the Christians that are listening to this service this morning, Father, I pray that we would be wholeheartedly dedicated and devoted to living your way for your glory. Thank you for loving us like you do. Help us to persevere to the end. Keep it on, keep it on. Never giving up. I thank, Lord, that you are worth it. And I'm thankful that you looked on us and you said, yes, they are worth it. Lord, we pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus for his glory, and in his name, amen. amen.